there was a shooting one night and that kind of changed things for me you know obviously you know those kind of events when they happen right in front of you to your friends it's very life-changing and I get a lot of feedback from you know, a lot of a lot of my friends that work here you know like how can you do how can you come back you know it's what drives you to do that and for me it's being able to make it out you know that was obviously the first thing Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Burnt Chef Journal, a hospitality-specific podcast dedicated to challenging mental health stigma and conversations designed to inspire a new, healthier, happier, and more sustainable hospitality profession. I'm joined this week by Fabian Martinez from Wisconsin in the States, who shares his very unique story of unfortunately being impacted by a shooting within the restaurant, which impacted him and, and a few of his friends who were working with him at the time. He talks about how this has had an impact on his overall mental health and what he's done to try and take steps to recover from this very horrendous event. And so this is obviously quite a sensitive subject, quite a sensitive topic. And so if you feel comfortable listening to this one please feel free we do talk a lot about recovery and we talk a bit about the impact that that's had on fabian but it's a very good episode and it's something that i'm very proud and, and proud of fabian for coming on and sharing as well if you need support or you'd like someone to talk to you can head across to our website and to the support pages and the where we'll host a list of very different support mechanisms across the globe so that you're able to reach out and, and ask for help whether that's now or later so please feel free to check those out and if you are enjoying these podcasts and you'd like to hear more please do follow or subscribe to these podcasts and if you get an opportunity do rate us five stars for these as well as it's push us up and allow other people to hear this great stigma busting content the burnt chef project is proudly sponsored by lamb western a leading provider of innovative high quality potato products created for chefs to help operators thrive both today and tomorrow working carefully with sustainably minded farmers and growers Lamb Weston provides potato solutions for every type of kitchen, from premium British chips and fries to potato shapes, wedges and mash. To find out more, head to lambweston.eu or search your partner in potatoes. So this week I'm joined by Fabian Martinez. Fabian, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, doing good this morning. How are you doing today? Good, man. We've had the jigger and poke things around a little bit. I've been on a tour of the hotel in order to get some decent quality sound, but I'm, yeah. I'm hoping it sounds silky smooth for everyone else now as well. Yeah, yeah. Good, man. Good. So whereabouts in the world are you? So I'm living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, cold north. I'm originally from Texas, though, so South Texas. So it's a little bit of a dramatic change for me. You know, come from dramatic heat to what well, we're going into winter now. So freezing cold all till probably May or so. Oh, mate, what does what a winter in Wisconsin look like? Right now, we're probably in the teens, 20s right now, but it'll, it gets down below zeros around here, and snow and ice and last forever. So, Oh, man. And we're talking from the locals to not go out. That's the best thing, the best advice I give to people is don't go out, stay inside. <laughs> and we're talking Fahrenheit, right? So we're in yeah. Celsius for us. I mean, that's that's some serious minus temperatures going on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's always a culture shock for some of our uh, – our Indian 
worker students on our visas. So they come over here and they're just, you know, immediately, once it gets to 30s, they're, they're not even going outside. They stop smoking cigarettes and don't even go outside anymore. <laughs> go ahead and go out. <laughs> so the cold's actually good for people's health. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it's a good way to stop. Yeah, man. Good. And what sort of work are you in at the moment in terms of hospitality? Is it a restaurant, hotel? What's this? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm the head chef of uh, Cedar and Sage Grow House here. So it's a indigenous kind of native inspired restaurant here in uh, Radisson Hotel. We have a casino as well. So yeah, it's been, it's been cooking my whole life and it's just, it's been, it's been the game. You know, I've been doing this for about 17 years now. So it's, you know, this is, this is my, this is my life and it's, it's a good, it's been good to me. It's been good, really good. What was it that got you into cooking in the first place? Man, just hanging out with, the, with my grandparents, you know, hanging out with the grandparents, smelling food, picking food off the table and kind of thing. And my grandparents had two different kinds of cooking. So it was more country, more over the fire, and more, it was more laid back. So both my grandparents are from Mexico. So it's got a lot of Mexican influence in me. And yeah, that's kind of how it came up from scratch cooking. Just love it, you know, just. You know, the end result, you know, the hard work that goes into it and then you get the end result. It's just you know, mind-blowing. It makes me happy. And now you get an opportunity to be able to put that happiness and, that, and those smiles on other people's faces, right? With, is much of your cooking style still influenced by that now? Or have you had to, obviously, bearing in mind, you're looking at sort of indigenous, have you had to change it or have you brought some of those in? No, I brought a lot of it in. Some of the greens I'm familiar with, you know, it's, it's just kind of bringing my own twist. And that's kind of what separates us. It makes us stand out a little bit as, yeah, we are native inspired, but it's, it's a lot of influences that go into it. And it's kind of thinking outside the box and bringing all that flavor building with me and everything I've learned. It's good to kind of install it here and see the outcome in the locals and everyone love it. So it's, it's going great. It's amazing. And there's so much to learn as well. Like I, I was chatting when I was in Toronto, uh, the Restaurants Canada event, I was chatting to a lovely lady called Kim and she was teaching me all about indigenous population and the eating eating cultures and the food and all of these great things that have been so massively suppressed for so long in our culture and we're missing out on so many great ways of cooking and ingredients that we've never even heard or used before and i think it's a really fantastic cuisine and, and i think it, more people need to be more aware of what actually goes into different styles and cultures of cooking because we're missing out on so much by just being this sort of western thought processes right you know it's that that ancient kind of old school kind of cooking and indigenous anything indigenous i mean the great thing about indigenous cooking it translates all over the world you know there's indigenous cultures all over the place so it's you know it's another reason why i love kind of modern food nowadays because it's it touches a lot of everything yeah a lot of it does get lost in the mix but a lot of it's coming back and it's coming into fruition and you know it's good to advertise and kind of promote a lot of these Things that you know, a lot of these old recipes and old styles of cooking, because it's you know, it's something that a lot of people aren't used to, like you said. And it's good to see the reactions of people to see that you know, hey, my family's been doing this for twenty years, and now you're doing it this way, and it's amazing. You know? So it's it's great because a lot of the a lot of the recipes that we're doing, a lot of things we're cooking with, they're very sacred to families and very sacred to the tribe. So it's yeah, you're never going to please anyone, but the point is to open people's eyes and kind of realize, hey, we can do so much more with this and give it out to the public and educate and teach. And it's been fun. That's been the best thing about working here is, you know, taking a lot of these family traditions and their family recipes and family ingredients and coming from an outsider from Texas, it's, you know, it kind of got a lot of 
raise eyebrows at first, but people, once they start to taste, people come around. It's been great for people who are not even from the area to being in a hotel. We get a lot of people traveling in. So the people from all over the world and it's great. You know, last year we had the German uh, soccer team, one of the national German soccer teams coming in. It's just hanging out with the chefs from there. I mean, it was just, it was great. You know, different kinds of lifestyles, different kinds of backgrounds. For me, it was the culture shock was, you know, at lunch or noon, they want a beer. And they're like, hey, can we get a beer for, for lunch? It's just been downtime. Like, sure, I don't have a problem. But it's for, for America, it's a little bit different to drink while you're working or during the job. So it's fun. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely different culture. We say in the UK, and probably you say it all around the world, to be honest, is guess at 12 o'clock or one o'clock in the afternoon you go for it's probably five o'clock somewhere right and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know we do have a, a very different attitude i think to recreational eating and drinking habits i think some good some not so good but yeah it's fascinating i love i'm enjoying actually watching you but obviously people can't see you but i can see you and you can probably tell from your voice how inspired and enjoyable but your face as well you're lit up at the moment you love your job right it's it's oh yeah fantastic. i do man. and it's you know being a chef and this kind of work is very challenging it's very hard and i think the challenge that comes with it comes from the individuals itself you know it's you know, being a chef, you know, you're you're kind of always judged. You're always judged by the last dish you put out. You know, I've seen a lot of chefs kind of go crazy trying to pursue that perfection. You know, it's, you know, that's kind of where I I realized, you know, about five years ago, it's like that pursuit of perfection is going to just drive you nuts. You know, you can't please everyone. So in order to really, you know, appreciate this career and to, you know, be positive, you just can't pursue that. You know, it's, you got to be realistic and know that, yeah, you can't be perfect. You know, we can only be as good as what we put out. That's the only thing we can do. That's the only thing we can limit and try to get better. And like I said, it's positivity has been the best thing for me for as far as, you know, my own mental health and keeping things in line and keeping my staff positive too. So it's people realize, you know, a lot of my regulars notice, you know, we're happy. We're a happy kitchen. It's an open kitchen, so there's no hiding. You know, when you come in, you can see everyone. You can see me working. You can see all my guys working. And that's the best feedback that I get to know that, you know, we're cooking. I'm cooking with a smile. My, my guys are cooking with a smile. Yeah, I might be loud at times. I might have that Gordon Ramsay approach sometimes in the kitchen, but it's never, you know, it's never it's never negativity. It's always just good vibes, man. It's, all, it's, try to, it's what we try to preach here. It's keep all the BS at the door. And when we come in, it's a new day. And starting fresh and so you reached out to us via social media because you wanted to have a chat about your own experiences with mental mental health issues and, and mental illness and try and help us destigmatize and open up more conversations so what does mental health or what does mental illness look like and how has it impacted your your career and your life it may be one of the reasons why I stuck to this industry. It's kind of cooks and chefs are kind of the oddballs a little bit, a little bit, you know, just the mindset, you know, you got to have a little bit of that addictive personality kind of to kind of want to stick with this. So for me, it was, you know, I had a lot of struggling moments growing up, my, you know, family structure and things like that. And so that's kind of what led me into the restaurant industry was kind of, I kind of relate to everyone around me, even though everyone was older than me. I was always the young guy in the kitchen, but we all had the same kind of personality and kind of had our struggles growing up. Some people have their struggles at the time, but, you know, for me, you know, that's kind of what set me on the path. 
And then as of recently, within the last few years, I have gotten PTSD along the way. I was, when I survived a shooting here at one of the restaurants. So prior to our restaurant now, it was another concept and there was a shooting one night and that kind of changed things for me. You know, obviously you know, those kind of events, when they happen right in front of you to your friends, it's, it's very life changing. And I get a lot of feedback from you know, a lot of, a lot of my friends that worked here, you know, like, how can you do it? How can you come back? You know, it's what strives you to do that. You know, it's, and for me, it's, it's being able to make it out. You know, that was obviously the first thing and the camaraderie you have with your, with your guys, you know, it's for me, when we, at the time of the incident, once, you know, like I said, it happened, you know, 10 feet in front of me and, you know, the longest seven minutes of my life. It's also one of the darkest times too. So for me, that whole, after, you know, taking it in and kind of processing was, was kind of big. And it, I'm grateful to have a child and she was nine months at the time. So that kind of helped me stick to some kind of normality, but it's rough. And it, I've been around friends that have survived things like that. I, I come from some neighborhoods in South Texas that aren't, you know, too good. You know, so, I, you know, shootings and things like that weren't typically like new to me. But to see that that close and to see, you know, your friends go down in front of you. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what changed it. And for the first few months, it was, it was a dark time. You know, it was those three months went by like that, you know, you don't realize what you're missing out and you're just in that shadow and that darkness. So, you know, like I said, like having a family, having a very supportive family and having a daughter, it's what kind of drove me. And once Cedar and Sage, the restaurant, once we started going to the new concept and ideas and that's kind of what brought me back because the whole, the whole cedar and sage element is very big in native culture. So burning of sage, you know, burning of cedars, it's about cleansing and it's about fresh starts and positivity and accepting what happened, you know, accepting the change. And so I was, you know, I've been through a couple of rituals here in the tribe and I have, you know, I'm kind of spiritual. I'm not too religious, but, you know, that smudging ceremony was, was life-changing, you know, hearing the drums, you know, getting the sense of the sage and the tobacco burning, and the chants. Like I said, I'm not a spiritual person, but man, those, you can feel it. You can just feel the energy. You can just feel the positivity coming from the tribe and, the, you know, the support too. And yeah, when we opened and coming back was definitely part of the healing. It was definitely part of the process of, you know, like I said, now. You know, there's four of us that were here that made it out that still worked on here. And only two of us wanted to come back. And yeah, the first couple of weeks were hard being in that restaurant and silence and things like that. But once it gets going, it comes back to business and it comes back to life. And we had a different kind of culture coming in and it was, it was a very positive coming in. Before it was, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of, a lot of sadness and from everyone at the hotel. It just, it wasn't just in the restaurant, you know, everyone in, in the whole staff as a whole felt it, you know, it was, it was just a weird kind of gloomy kind of time for a while. And once the restaurant opened and became part of it again, it was, you know, I, I realized it was, it was the right thing to do. It wasn't about business. It wasn't about getting it open to make money again. It was about coming back, doing it right, focusing on the positives and just building something that we could be proud of. And that was something that, yeah, had me sold immediately. And like I said, I, my biggest 
thing going into it was like, all right, I got to approach this hell. You know, I can't sit back. I can't just dwell. I can't be in my head. It's about going straight up and just going back at it and doing what I do and doing what I love. And it was so bad just being at home for three months. So I was like, God, I nothing to do. I was cooking, cooking meals for the kids all the time. I'm just like, all right, what can I do? What can I do? Mm-hmm. Finally, I came up and yeah, I you know. Luckily, there was one other girl who was with me that night who, you know, worked on the line with us. She made it out as well. And she's one of the most loyal people I've ever met in the kitchen. And she followed me around and she came back and it was kind of a mutual kind of rehab for us. You mean not, you know, for us, rehabilitation, you know, you know, we're restaurant people. We're just, we get better by the people around us. Being in the, you know, in the shits, you know, kind of just getting it done and, that's really what motivated us to do it. And, you know, now we're going into year three now. So every year is, it's a blessing, you know, obviously, but, you know, every year that we keep this place open and, and this place keeps thriving and just keeps, it's night and day from the way it used to be to now, just as far as an overall work culture and mentality. And so that's kind of why, you know, I've, I'm a huge supporter of everything that the Burnt Chef Project is. And it's, Something my it's why I want to reach out and see what I can do here in America as far as other chefs and what I can do to relate and if there's anyone that I you know if I can help anyone that's what I would love to do because you know like I said not everyone who was here that night is doing as well as I am or other people you know it's it's a struggle it's a daily struggle it's nothing that leaves but I feel like you know we're doing things the right way and keeping it going man life is great man it's just it's a weird thing it's a weird kind of time yeah i can imagine well i can't imagine i can't i I genuinely i can't imagine i'm trying to trying to empathize but being british for a start when we have cases of of things like shootings etc but we don't have it regularly i just can't even begin to imagine the impact that it would have had on on yourself and your colleagues and the business and the wider community. I just, it sounds fucking horrible, man. I'm sorry that you went through that. I really am. That's, yeah. that's not, that's not cool. Think about it here in America. It's just a common thing. You know, it's, it's sad to even think that at this point, but shootings and mass shootings around, you know, it's over the last what, 10, 15 years here in America, it's just been escalating and getting more and bigger and bigger and random. And, you know, as random as people may think it is, it's, something that's an issue, a big issue here in America. And, you know, I'm not a, you know, gun rights and all that, you know, it's a, it's a political thing. I'm from Texas. I mean, I'm, I'm big on responsible gun ownership, you know, but it's a huge issue here. You know, you you see it every week on the news, you know, you hear about them, you know, shooting at the mall, shooting here, school shootings. And it's just luckily, you know, I know, you know, being in the UK, you have, you'll have a lot of stricter, gun laws and you know it's something that's definitely needed here but it'll be some time it'll definitely be some time for that to happen yeah i truly believe in large movements i think the movements can happen and i think that there will be a time and i don't i'd I'd like to hope that it wouldn't be too far away where actually these things are brought back under control again because i mean i don't know how much you want to talk about the event itself but for anyone to be able to walk into a restaurant with a with a weapon a firearm it shouldn't be allowed it shouldn't it shouldn't be allowed at all and it's fucked that's yeah. so fucked 
so I mean the event understandably would have a massive impact on on yourself and others who were part of that that day what was it that led you to finding out about your diagnosis of PTSD how did that come about what were the first signs and, and what did you do you know the first signs obviously were not being able to sleep night terrors you know screaming in my sleep kind of yelling in my sleep you know those are obviously key signs and you know I was lucky I was able to get some some help and talk to the right kind of people and it helped for a little bit counseling and things like that it depends on the type of person individual i believe some people need regular counseling and regular kind of therapy to kind of keep in it some people have to be medicated the thing about trauma like this everyone accepts it differently and so you know the way i handle things versus the way some of my other colleagues handle things aren't very similar you know some people you know for me i've been around drugs and alcohol around you know my whole lifestyle being in the industry so my my mom was an alcoholic so it's that was the one thing i just i knew i didn't want to go down you know you don't want to go down that booze path you don't want to go down that dependency kind of mindset and for me that was you know that's why i was like I, I at first counseling and talking sessions really kind of helped me and helped me understand what was going on because I always had some kind of I mean it wasn't really PTSD but I had some kind of domestic you know family abuse back in the days from like my mother's side and things like that so that helped that kind of played a little bit of a factor into some of the issues I had coming into this so for this one it was it was a little bit different and like I said I'm grateful that I you know. For me, my my rehab, my therapy is in the kitchen. That's always been my output and my way to relieve myself. And something about being in a kitchen with a knife and fire and building something from nothing, it just helps the focus, helps the mind, really. And like I said, I have friends who I wish would be a little bit better. But it's, you know, you should never judge. You should never say, hey, I'm doing good. Why aren't you doing good? That should never be that that kind of dialogue, you know, or the kind of mindset, because like I said, you know, people come up, have different backgrounds and different kind of life experiences. So some people already had some mental issues before this. So this event, we all experienced the same event, but had a different outcome, no matter what happens or we're always going to be tied together through this traumatic event. And that's good that we have each other to lean on and kind of have that support system because you know, without it, who knows, you know, it's, you know, family and friends are great, but the ones that are there with you are kind of the ones that you're always going to, you're always going to have that bond no matter what. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have that bond with you know, my colleagues, because, you know, some of them are living, you know, one of my friends, dad, you know, for instance, he's, he's one of the only survivors that got shot, you know, so he's doing amazing, you know, seeing him, you know, that day, you know, we didn't think he was going to make it. You know, when to see someone get shot point blank in the face, you know, it's, that's not good. It was very positive to see him because he's a, he's a musician. He's an amazing musician, amazing singer, amazing guitarist. And to see him being back in his element and seeing him doing his music. It's so great because for a while he had a, he couldn't talk for a while. He had a, you know, tracheotomy and couldn't really yeah. do his normal things. And to see him now, it's just, it brings joy, man. It's, he was a little shit too, you know, just, just being a, he's a Boston guy, you know, just a Boston hard accent, hard ass kind of guy. And just, just a good guy too. love, love music. And it's good, man. Cause 
those are the kind of things that make me really happy. And to see my boy Dan doing this thing, it's just, it's amazing, man. Best of luck with his recovery. It sounds like he's very lucky, but also very determined. And his recovery sounds like it's going well. So I'm really, I'm, I'm pleased, man. I'm really, really pleased from that perspective. If you're enjoying this week's episode, consider heading over to our website and supporting our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental illness and creating a healthier, happier, and more sustainable industry by purchasing some of our branded merchandise. We have a whole range of t-shirts, hoodies, chef's jackets, well-being journals, plus a whole host more available on Worldwide Dispatch. All funds raised from sales of these items go towards free-to-access e-learning content, as well as providing free support systems and help for those who may be experiencing difficulty with their mental health. From your experience, I mean, the really nice thing about this conversation is that hospitality is is that safe point, right? It's that saving grace. It's that family. It's that looking out for each other and understanding that you've always got someone else's back. And I think... That's really refreshing to hear, and that's what we'd like to hear more of, and, and we want more stories like this whereby people are, you know, hospitality has been the, the positive and, and the, the great thing in their life. But I guess from my perspective and from your experience of working in hospitality over there, are there any particular things that you'd like to see change over the next five to ten years or improve in any way, shape, or form? Is anything that's on the top of your mind that you think, yeah, do you know what? It's great, but I reckon it could be greater if. This whole movement that you have, guys have, is honestly what I've been looking and hoping to see spread more, like spread out here, especially here in America. You know, because you know, like I said, gun violence is big, but drugs and alcohol are just, you know, even worse around here. I've seen them in my own eyes, and very talented people just just go down that spiral. You see them one year, and then five years down the road, you're just like, you know, just night and day, man. It's just, and that, the thing is, I don't feel people chefs anyone bar you know anyone really in this industry feels confident or feels like they can talk about these things without being judged you know and it's it's that stigma that you know i, I feel like it goes in the, other industry, in the other industry but especially in the hospitality industry where suck it up kind of mentality you know suck it up oh well you know everyone's everyone's messed up you know kind of thinking you know it's just shouldn't be that way people should have felt like there's no judgment at all. They should feel in a, some kind of safe place to talk about these kind of things and address the issues because they're only issues until we work on them and, and resolve these issues. You, don't, you know, it's, it's not a permanent issue. And these things are permanent. I just feel like people just don't feel safe and don't feel like they have that platform to do that or to communicate. And, mm. and you know, that's why, like, you know, even my social media right now and at this time it's it's huge there's so many amazing positive things that could be done with social media and especially like with this movement because like i said i'm scrolling across and just i just got i went down that rabbit hole and just went down the whole burn show project and i was like holy shit like how have i missed this you know how have i not seen this and it caught me in right away early days though man early days like i mean we we've only been going for the photography campaign was May 2019, but I guess we really started getting into the flow in February 2020. So yeah. it's only been like coming up four years. Yeah. So it is really, really early days. And we've got a lot of work to do to get through 
Yeah, well, there's what, estimated 72 million people worldwide in hospitality, and I don't even know what segregations of hospitality that includes. Is that just back of house and front of house, or is that night porters? Is that housekeeping? Is that maintenance? Is that all of the other fantastic individuals that make this industry fucking ace? Yeah. And we've got to get together and make sure that we can reach every one of them because the message is strong, but I think that the consistency and the shared voice will just help others to speak out and to build a future that doesn't necessarily work on that, which is what you've just said. It's like, well, that's just the way that hospitality is. Like, yeah, we're all messed up. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. You do the 80-hour weeks. It's fine, you know. That's what. That's exactly what hospitality is. No, it's not. And it doesn't have to be, unless, of course, you want it to be, and it works for you. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I think, you know, in order for us to change is we need people like you, people like myself, people like our, you know, our other 160 odd ambassadors globally team, people listening to this now to actually stand up and go, what one thing can I make different? What one thing can I change? Is it the fact that I sit down with someone and have a coffee and just ask them how their day is? Is it? We look at workload management and just see how people are feeling and feel if they've got enough support and time to do the work that they need to do. It doesn't have to be revolutionary. It's just that, like your recovery, like getting back to work, putting one foot in front of the other and checking in with yourself and going, are we on the right path? Are we doing well? Fantastic. If I've got more energy, what's next? And you and I talking now are, hopefully you'll go off the back of this and you'll go to your team and be like, I've just been on the burnt chef project. And they're like, what the hell's the burnt chef project about? You're like, Oh, well, let me tell you. And then, you know, yeah. hopefully that's just reaches one more person. Oh yeah. What sort of mental health support do you guys have at the moment within the organization? So luckily being in a corporate structure, we do have, let's call it ERC. So it's essentially like therapy at, you know, free therapy anytime, you know, there's always, you know, they, they'll help you with anything, you know, anything from drug abuse to, depression to suicide thought anything you know anything in between just a free resource that we have to you really need the help it's there that's another thing too is is especially chefs and kitchen people and you know backhand people is even though the resources are there even though it's a confidential it's free it's all the above they still feel like that little stigma that oh i'm weaker if i go find help you know or i'm not as mentally strong as I should be if I go see you know, or it's like, no, it's, that's not the case. You know, it's thing about cooking. It's, it's not all around. You gotta be, you should be, you gotta be sound mentally, physically, all of it. You know, it's to be successful. You can't just be missing one here or one here. You know, it's, you really have to be realistic, have realistic mindset, have real, realistic goals and just try to achieve those and don't stop until you do. Thing about it is you have to be determined. You can't just be let down because you're you're down for a couple of days. You know you can't sink into that mentality. Just because it's it's that may not be the best right now doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. You know mm-hmm. we as individuals have that that power to determine our own fates. You know everything we do is decision based and and falls on us. So we as individuals have any and every opportunity to make ourselves better. You know it's there. It's just we have to go find it. And, Luckily, it's people like you, people like like me, especially ever since I've talked about doing this podcast with you guys, I've spread the word to pretty much anyone and everyone. So it's, you know, I was in Virginia for three weeks, we're helping a hotel out there and, you know, being able to spread the word out there and, hey, have you heard of this? Have you heard of this? No? Get on your Instagram. Follow this. Follow this. I mean, it's like, like, trust me, guys, this is a 
I mean, and then them being five minutes into, they're like, holy shit. <laughs> All right, cool. Like, where the fuck has this been our, our whole lives? So that's why, I, that's why, I, you know, I love that, you know, y'all are, you're based out of the UK and you're, you know, it's a, it's a worldwide thing. And it's not just source in Europe. It's not just a European thing. It's not just a, whatever. It's a, everywhere because we all have the same issues. We all do the same kind of job. You know, we all, we're here to please others. And, and sometimes in that mindset, we tend to forget about ourselves. And I yeah. think that's a huge thing. And I think once we can get around that stigma, so we can't, you know, start trying to please everyone. We got to take that little, little amount of time to kind of focus on ourselves and get back to normality and stay, um, stay in tune, man. hundred percent. Right. Honestly, the interesting thing. So we talk about stigma, right? And you talk about people not wanting to get help because it might be an admission of weakness or, you know, perhaps we won't, might be seen as viewed other. So I've recently started to access therapy again myself because I've noticed that actually my thought processes have started to slip into quite negative thought processes, quite pessimistic. Now, even just saying this out loud, I'm checking in with myself and I'm thinking, God, I can still feel that stigma creeping in. I'm thinking, well, what happens if people, you know, what would people think? But you know what? Fuck it. That's exactly the reason why we exist. But the interesting thing for me is that during that first, or we're on the run up to that first therapeutic session, I had all of those same feelings and thoughts, all of them. And, you know, as someone who does my job and in the realms of the work that we do, it just shows that our voices need to be louder and stigma is going to take a bit of time to try and address and try and tackle. It's, it's hundreds, it's thousands of years old. And if you feel stigma or you feel shamed by thinking about reaching out for help, don't be, don't let that put you off. Understand that that feeling is not a feeling that you can necessarily always control. It's built into us as society and as, as years and years of, of being told that it's not the right thing to do. So that's understand that that is a, a feeling that you may get, but then also being prepared to move through that. And trust me, once you get past that first bit and you reach out to a friend or a family member or you go through that therapy session for the first time, you stigma won't be as strong anymore and every single time it'll be less and less and less and even me even you know the founder of the burnt chef project i still experience stigma but the difference is is that we won't let it stop us that's the key that's the key so we're coming to sort of the end of our time but you mentioned something earlier in our conversation and i wanted to just dig a little bit deeper into that because I'm not a religious chap myself, but I do have become quite spiritual over the last few years. And I do believe in um, energies and connection and the power of, of tribe and just being around people who feed you. They're sustainers, not drainers, right? So they're like radiators. They give off warmth. They don't suck it from you. So talk to me about your experience of that sage ceremony. Like, What were you thinking when you went into it? And what was it that suddenly changed or even increased your thought process on on the benefits of, of that particular ceremony for you yeah you know this ceremony happened i believe a week after the incident so this was kind of like a healing process outside of the hotel and kind of like a memorial kind of essentially but so just being around the people you know that i've worked with my whole time like the whole time seeing some of my friends families you know the guys who didn't make it you know like their families were there and Dan's families were there. So being around and, you know, seeing the, the pain, you know, the sorrow, 
you know, obviously as a human, you, you could feel that, you know, but then once the drums get going and once, once the singing gets going, once, you know, once the smells get going, you know, that's like next level shit, man. I grew up Catholic, but I, you know, I got away from it, you know, a little bit as I've gotten older, but man, that was, I've never felt anything that powerful in my whole life. You know, I've been in massive churches with big organs and, you know, you get those kinds of feelings, but I mean, this one was like, it hit on every level. Man. It was like the emotions, you could hear the, the physical from the drums, you could feel it in your body, you know, hearing the songs and hearing people crying, you know, and the thing is too, is like this incident didn't just affect us in the hotel, it affected the tribe, you know, these are our native lands. These are lands that, you know, are very spiritual and very powerful lands and for like something like that to happen on their lands, that's big, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. very dark. You know, that's something that, that's why the burning of the sage and, uh, you know, and cedar and tobacco, that's, you know, it's about getting plans. And so, you know, standing there and um, they offered up anyone, if anyone wanted to come up to be part of the ceremony to get cleansed, you know, come on up. So you essentially, you know, stand in front, they're chanting with you and they're, they're bringing the sage and they're cleansing in your whole body with the sage and the smoking. You know, I'm standing there just you know, like this, and I suppose you just, man, it was just something about that, man. Just, I could feel my conscious and my, anything that I had going on, and those negative thoughts just felt released and cleansed. And, and at that point, I was like, okay, this is something that, you know, they've been doing forever. And, you know, this is their way of healing and their way of moving forward and, you know, obviously cleansing. So it was, it was an amazing feeling. You know, I've never been part of a cleansing ceremony like that. I've seen them before, but to be part of it and to be right there with the medicine man and guys, you know, being the drums and seeing, and it was amazing. You know, if you ever get a chance to be part of it or see one, you, you'll get it, feel it immediately. Cause just those drums are and those, you know, I love music and I love all that, but hearing them rock those drums, I'll never forget it. And there's this gizzy goosebumps and it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. Oh, I'm, I would love to have like an elder or something on the podcast and just learn more about about that. I am I'm, I'm truly, truly very curious about all of that from all from all cultures around the around the globe. You know, we talk about mindfulness and meditation, and it's been used in most countries for thousands of years, and only now, as a society, are we going, "Oh shit, <laughs> it's actually good for you." Yeah. Oh man, what? And it's like we're starting to get to this mass adoption of things that we should have done in a mass adoption of like thousands of years ago rather than suppressing these sort of things. And so I'm I'm incredibly curious. And for sure, man, when I'm over there um, next year, I will be seeking out these sort of experiences because uh, yeah. we haven't even scratched the surface of what we understand about people and bodies and brains just yet. I think there's so much that science doesn't know that you can't necessarily put a finger on you can feel it and that's what's important right is that that being able to feel and experience stuff so it's fucking that's fucking cool so in terms of your diagnosis of of ptsd if you were to say anything to anyone out there who may be struggling with sort of similar similar experiences not necessarily caused by the same thing but maybe experiencing things like night terrors or heightened anxiety or panic attacks etc what would you what would be the first bit of advice that you would give to them in terms of getting them the help that they need well first you know ours you know they're not alone this isn't just something that they're going through and i think being able to talk to not necessarily you don't necessarily like medical professionals just someone i think just talking to someone 
I think just throwing the dialogue out, starting the dialogue and use platforms like social media and the right way. There's resources out there. You know, some of them might not be as easy to find for people. Maybe not people might not know where to look or where to find these resources. So it's, I think the first step is to, is just talking, you know, that's, that's the first one, you know, and, and then just realizing that, that something is wrong, you know, that something may or may not be wrong. You know, so there's so many levels of depression. And, and I think once people can start to realize that, Hey, I'm not alone, something's going on. I should talk to someone or maybe talk to someone. Then that's like, you know, then they're on the right path. Then there's ways to heal and there's, then you have options when people close themselves off and from anyone and everyone and think that they have to handle it themselves, that's when things get worse. And it's very easy to go from, from kind of middle level to street decline. It's, it's, it's so easy. And I think, like you said, you know, it's just being honest with yourself and just knowing, Hey, I can get better. There's resources, there's outlets. This doesn't have to be this way. And I think that's the biggest step. The first step is always the hardest, but it's always the biggest step. And it's the most necessary step. So step out of that darkness, step out of that box, whatever it is, and find the light in the tunnel. That's really what it is. There's, there, there's, there always is. It's, it's there. We might get lost in the process, but we just have to find it. And it will be there. And that's the one thing I always, you know, anytime I preach, if I can to anyone, you know, that's one thing I do preach. Like, all right. Yeah, it's dark. It's maybe fucking shitty right now, but if you want, it will get better. You know, it's it's about wanting to get better and wanting to find people that you can relate to to get better together. I think getting better together with other people or someone with the same mindset helps, you know, because I mentioned earlier that one of my cooks, Sam, who came back and followed me up the shoot, having her there was really big for me too, because it was someone that was there with me and who made it out with me and had the balls to come back with me to say, Hey, let's do this. I'll help you start this version. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it, man. So that's kind of where I see her as like really, really close companion because I know she lives in Vegas right now, but if I were to call her right now, it's, Hey, I'm opening a restaurant. Come over here. Sure. I'll be there in two months. I already know. I already know the mindset because that's the kind of bond we have because it's, you know, it's that trauma bond. And I, I say, you know, it's a weird kind of term, but it's it's true because, like I said, you know, no matter what happens in our life, no matter where we end up on, in this world, me and those other four people that are there, we're always going to have that bond. No matter what, nothing's going to separate us from what happened. And I think as long as we have people we can depend on and we can open up to, we'll be fine. You know, and like I said, it's always... It's always light at the end of the tunnel. Mate, what an absolute blinder to finish off on. I would thank you ever so much for coming and, and having the courage to talk about your experiences and story. And I appreciate it's you know, no amount of time will will ever um, make it any easier. But yeah, hopefully other people hearing this conversation today and, and the and the unique experiences will just reach another person who out there thinks perhaps they are alone but but you're not you know and and mm-hmm. there is light and you can move through this and i just i wanted to personally thank you very much for for your time and energy and investment and experience i, I really appreciate that man thank you yeah of course thanks for having me on i really appreciate it you know this is a this is a great talk i'm a huge supporter of the movement and 
I will be for as long as I can, you know, and then I'll spread the word as many people as I can to get the, if I can, if we can change at least one person, two people, then I'm fine. I'm good with that. You know, and that's just like, you know, that's the bare minimum for me, you know, so. Man, that sounds like you've got makings of an ambassador already. So I'll send you over the details afterwards. We'll get you signed up for the process if you haven't already, because goddamn, we need more people. Yeah, I'm actually in the process of going through the training videos and all the, or the yeah, all the videos and all that. So oh, nice. Carry Good. On. Yeah. Good. Well, I can't wait to welcome you on board, brother. So um, thank you ever so much. Yeah, thank you too, man. Every time when you come to America, let me know. Come visit. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Although apparently getting around America is not quite as easy as getting from from South England to to Scotland. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Someone was like, uh, you do realize how long it takes just to drive across one state, don't you? And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm going to need some time out there. Yeah, I will do, man. Thank you very much. Sweet, man.